Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. Oh, and The Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm-hmm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This, this is, is the game, game of, of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we got a big one for you today. We're going through our top 10 takeaways of the historic just ended season, first ever of Golden Bachelor. Uh, we're also going to be breaking down our Biggest plays, errors, creatures of the entire season. We're going to be giving out those awards at the end of this episode. And like I said, we're going through the top 10 takeaways of the episode. But before we get to that, we do have a very special interview with a very special guest to be going over some very interesting stuff that's been going on, not only in Golden, but in BIP, in the franchise as a whole. But even before we get to that, we must mention December 22nd. At 4 p.m. PST is the parasocial play of the year. You can join us on YouTube live. Dark Seeker is going to be on the wheels of steel controlling this bracket. And you're going to vote if you tune in live to who has uh, done the best parasocial play of the year. It's in a 
best of 16 March Madness style bracket. We're going to be going through them all, taking a look at them, going down memory lane of this past year, who was putting out the best work on Instagram and TikTok. We're also doing an Ask Game of Roses episode where you can send in your questions for Bachelor Clues or me or both. You need to send this in a voice memo, one minute or less, to at askgameofroses at gmail.com. And these questions can be about anything. Aliens, artificial intelligence. <laughs> I wonder what Clues wants to talk about. Pro wrestling cards. Uh, I'll do anything. I'll answer any question. Vanderpump. Vanderpump, yes. World's Toughest Test. Sister Wise. <laughs> Indeed. Could be about that. Could be about 90 Day. I'm in I'm in big on 90 Day. There's a a, a, a thing on uh, HBO Max right now about this weird cult called The Garden that I've been watching. Anything you like. Once again, one minute or less audio clip to askgameofroses at gmail.com. Now, before we get into our top 10 takeaways of Golden Bachelor today, we have a very special guest. We are humbled. We are honored to have the keeper of all important data, all important numbers and facts and figures in the Bachelor world with us, Susanna Summers, aka Bachelor Data. Thank you for being here. It is an absolute honor to be back. I can't believe... It has been so long since we last spoke. It was December of 2020. Holy shit. That's <gasps> crazy. I did not realize that. Wow. You guys were my first podcast I ever recorded after I started oh, wow. my Instagram account. Well, uh, the honor is ours to Whoa. have you back. Obviously, a lot yes. has happened since December of 2020 <laughs> in the world of Bachelor, in your life, uh, in the world of all reality TV, um, you know, you are, I think, the person who is doing the most and most accurate work in terms of recording all the meticulous details of how reality TV, not just Bachelor, but how reality TV is presented and what it means, mm -hmm. like breaking down what does screen time actually mean? What does uh, any of the, the things that you follow? I mean, we follow some of the same stuff like um, social media numbers for various players and shows and all that. But um, but I would say we're not the mathematicians of a bachelor data. <laughs> yeah, you should see. You have like these beautiful charts. This is what my we we do a stat called Rose Quotient. This is what my Rose Quotient um, tabulations look like. So many of my followers were like, you need to sit down with Chad and we have to see how the Rose Quotient is calculated. Like we need to see all of that. It's calculated by hand. I do it on a little notepad next to my computer right before we record. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm old school, but uh, let's talk about. Uh, I don't even know where to begin because I just have so many questions to ask you. But um, what do you got, Lizzie? Please. First of all, since December 2020, you have, I believe, changed your job <laughs> quite a few times. Are you doing data full time now? Give us the update. Yeah. So December 2020, I was still working at my last school district as the K-12 technology director for the school district. So I actually started that job like six months before the pandemic. Um, and as a technology director, uh, when COVID hit, uh, I was actually still dealing with ransomware that hit our- Bet that job increased. Yeah. And we had gotten hit with <laughs> ransomware. So I was already super busy. So Jeez. I have been covering data on the Bachelor franchise on the Bachelor subreddit, which is how we all first met, um, yeah. like years before that, but very lightly on Reddit. And then I started my Instagram account during Peter's season. And then when the world shut down, like I lost my life for six months. Like I am so grateful 
my amazing life partner, Tim. I've been with him. It'll be nine years, the first week of January. But I, we didn't go on dates for months. That's like 10 bachelor relationships. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like that metric. Um, But I basically, for most of 2020, I was running around trying to figure out how to get internet to our low-income students. We were not one-to-one. So we were trying to get devices. We were training teachers on how to use Google Meet and like how to use Google Classroom. Like it was just a busy time. So I started my Instagram account during Clarentatia season, really. Um, And then that's when I first came on the podcast. Um, The summer of 2021 was when I launched my first course on how to use Google Sheets using data on the Bachelor franchise. And the day that that course launched, I sat down with my boyfriend, we looked at the numbers and I was like, this is it. We're going to, we're going to do this. Like I'm going to quit my job. Um, so I put in my five month notice because I know most people will be like, what? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but I was the technology director for my entire school district. So yeah. I couldn't just, you know, up and leave in two weeks. And we were in the middle of a really big student, student information system migration. So put in my five month notice and my last day was like at the end of December, early January. Um, and I've been doing that full time now. I also run on the site, which most people don't know. I run, uh, basically like an ed tech app for instructional coaches. So I don't talk about that a ton, but I do that in addition to bachelor data, pop culture data and all of my Excel work. Wow. That's insane. But it's so necessary. I mean, this is something that when we first started this podcast, we kind of identified it too, that there are in, especially in the case of Bachelor, there are so many seasons now that you can take from the data of that giant field of data. You can get massive meaning out of it because there are so many iterations and you can see what works and what doesn't and which players are good and which players are bad. And a lot about how the show is created, which gives you some insight into how the producers see what this product is that they've been making for you know now, whatever, 22 years, I guess. Um, before we jump into all of the data that I I have so many questions about. I just have a general question. What did you think of Golden Bachelor? You know, I was hesitant before we went into it. I was like, I I don't know if this is going to hit, guys. Like, especially because if you look at a lot of reality TV shows like Love is Blind, Love Island, Bachelor, etc., it is younger people who are watching, typically like lots of women who watch reality TV. Um And we haven't seen a reality TV show that is outside of that demographic be successful. Um, And I also thought, you know, a lot of people watch this show and they want to, you know, follow the the Hannah Godwins afterwards to see what highlighter she uses on her face and stuff like that. And that would have been very different for this franchise. But I do think something that has worked in the Bachelor franchise's favor is that um, a lot of people who have been watching The Bachelor have been watching it since 2002. And those people are now 20 years older and they aren't necessarily wanting to see people who are fresh out of college falling in love. And instead a very like heartwarming story about people who lost their loved ones and who are trying to find love for the time that they have left. And I think that the storyline around it was what really compelled people and just how sweet and wholesome it was. And I think something that the franchise did very well is that they did not manufacture drama that was just so apparent every single episode it was just like heartwarming stories i would just be sitting there on the couch like crying and i'd just like be texting to him just be like i love you so much <laughs> <laughs> they definitely let you they see- didn't uh, bring anyone's ex-boyfriends in to 
perform at one of their one-on-one dates or anything like that. Because none of them were living. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I also think that it has to do with the fact, I agree with everything you're saying. They didn't manufacture a lot of drama. There were a couple little moments where you're like, come on, I roll. But uh, for the most part, it did seem sincere. They also have a whole new team of producers on that show. There are only a couple that came from the other Bachelor franchises. And from information that I have, those producers really... Uh, they were they were very conscious of what they were doing in terms of not doing what Bachelor has done and Bachelorette has done for the past few seasons, which in my opinion is completely edit out the personality of the players. They actually let you see mm-hmm. them having fun with each other and telling jokes with each other and that kind of stuff. So you got a better sense of like who they are as people yeah. instead of just like placeholders in the the producer chain of like who needs to get kicked off next. Yeah, I think there was... I think it was definitely a few years of struggle behind the scenes of like old people who used to run the show versus new people that were coming in. And I think a lot of that caused for some very like boring seasons and some very like, man, we're criticizing everything about this franchise right now. Like, why are we still watching? You know, but I think it is finally starting to like come into its own. And I think that they did a really good job with golden bachelor. And it's making me so hopeful for Joey's season now too. Same. I think Joey's season is going to be pretty good. But that said, all these great things we're saying about Golden Bachelor. How'd you feel about BIP season nine? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've been watching this show for a long time, a long, long time. And, you know, I was looking up some data before we recorded today. And the last two seasons, it was two episodes a week of Bachelor in Paradise. And when I looked at that data, I was like, thank God. Thank God we didn't yeah. get two episodes a week of this. I think this season, oh my God. like, I, there's so many things I could criticize about Paradise this season. I think, number one, from what I'm hearing, producers were not willing to negotiate with contestants on their contracts, especially yeah. around influencing. And I think that that bit them in the butt. There were some really fantastic people who could have gone on Paradise. They wanted to go on Paradise, but they aren't willing oh. to do the six, eight yes. months of no influencer contracts. Mm. And that's ridiculous. The Paradise that was in the making. I'll say that much. The paradise that could have been that paper was offered to certain players that never happened is absolutely insane to me. Like the season they could have had for BIP9 that was like lined up. There were people ready to get on planes and then they were getting calls eight hours before the plane takes off. Sorry, stay home. What? Like they could have had an incredible season. Instead, they have this for what? Is it ego of producers? Like what's going on here? Why? Yeah. Why do they care if they do ads? Yeah, I think that there there was a big problem in the franchise because, you know, Ashley Iconetti, she was kind of like the first person who came out of this franchise that like really hopped onto like all the influencer deals, the the tummy tea, all of that stuff. And I think that there was an oversaturation for a while. But unfortunately, when people go on the show, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, after that, they are well known on the Internet. And if you want to have a successful spinoff show, you have to be willing to play ball with them. And that's what we see work so well in the Bravo universe and everything. They're not stifling yeah. Ariana Maddox, who just had the big scandal, you know, situation mm-hmm. where Tom cheated on her with her best friend. She goes and does like a, it was like a Lay's potato chips ad. And it was absolutely hilarious. And like that only got more momentum for the Bravo franchise. And I think, Exactly. You're seeing her everywhere. You're seeing her in all these different ads. She did. I remember she did one ad with Sheena and one other one other person. I can't remember, but 
those people becoming more and more famous, I think only helps your show. Yes. And I think it's also a big mentality of the viewership. You know, I see all over on Reddit where people are like, I love Golden Bachelor because they don't want to be influencers. And I'm like, that's not true. Multiple of these women from <laughs> Golden Bachelor are nonstop tagging me on their stories, even though they don't follow my account, expecting I'm going to reshare their content so that they can show grow their Instagram accounts. Sure. Like everybody who goes mm-hmm. to and puts their reputation on the line to be on reality TV wants to be famous. It doesn't matter if you're 50, yeah. 60 years old or if you're 21. Like, and that doesn't make you a bad person either. And I think we have all been on the same page about this for decades now, you know? We're literally watching them play a game and the benefit of playing it well is that you can make some money on social media after it, hopefully. Now that's changing, obviously, which brings us to our our next point. What are the trends you're seeing in all kinds of social media? We're talking about Instagram, TikTok primarily, I suppose, but you know we track this too, and the numbers are just in the toilet for Bachelor. Even they're really in the toilet across the board. I feel like there are some shows that get you higher numbers for sure per capita, but like nobody's hitting those multiple millions numbers that we used to see, you know, three to four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also something people need to realize before I like go down this rabbit hole is that you have to think about the potential audience size versus how much people are gaining. Right. So the Bachelor franchise. I have family who lives in Brazil. My cousins are very tech savvy, especially living in Brazil. They know VPNs. They know that stuff. They have to jump through hoops to try to watch The Bachelor that they just don't. Meanwhile, yeah. Love is Blind, here I am texting with my cousin's fiance over WhatsApp in Sao Paulo, Brazil, because they can just watch it on Netflix. So if you look at shows that are available mm-hmm. globally without you having to go through backdoor VPNs or get things illegally... Mm-hmm you have a higher potential growth rate than you do The Bachelor because The Bachelor is a U.S. show. And yes, I know there are some people listening that they're, they're like, well, I can watch it on City TV in Canada. And it's like, yes, there are some countries that you can watch it in pockets, but it's very you have to jump through hoops. Whereas looking at Love is Blind, I can just hop onto Netflix and watch season one, whether or not I'm here or in Brazil with no problems. Um, but The Bachelor franchise, as far as follower counts, we're not going to see people hit a million followers anymore unless something very important happens. So if you look at the decline in Instagram follower counts, something that's really important to look at is it's not just, oh, well, people aren't getting followers anymore. Nobody's watching the show. That's not true. What you need to look at is the, what I like to look at is if you average the amount of Instagram growth that people make on this show, and you can look at it in different ways. You can remove the night one people. You can remove the top four people to look at the average, however you want to look at it. If you look at season to season and year to year, how much that average is declining, Instagram is declining significantly faster than the total viewership is. So Mm. Mm. that average is going down faster than we are losing viewers if we look at ratings. So the problem, number one, is Instagram. It's becoming very difficult to grow on Instagram. Can you? Yes. But it's not as easy as it used to be before the pandemic. And that's because TikTok Mm. came to be. Once TikTok came out, it's it's used more than like Netflix, than YouTube. Like People are spending more time on TikTok than they are on Instagram. So that there already, it's really difficult to grow. Has Instagram changed in a way where it has become more difficult to grow? Or is it just because people have the alternative of TikTok that they're just not as engaged in Instagram? I think it's it's a combination, obviously. like You can't just say it's all one problem. Um, but people only have 24 hours in a day. 
right? Mm -hmm. And some of those hours you have to spend sleeping. Some of those hours you have to spend working. And you only have so much time left over for entertainment every day. And when most people are going to TikTok for their entertainment, they're not going to go on Instagram or see your content as much. So number one, that's going to be the biggest factor. I think Instagram has also made, or just meta in general, has made a lot of mistakes over the last Mm -hmm. few years trying to keep up with TikTok. And I think also Mark Zuckerberg has just been way too focused on virtual reality instead of focused on like, what do people want right now for his business? Mm -hmm. Um, That I think that they tried to catch up to TikTok way too late. And then they messed their algorithm. So everybody just started making video content and that pushed more people away from Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think it's just like a mishaps on Instagram side. And then I think TikTok and short form video is just king. Do you well? I mean, they're going to change in the next couple of weeks. TikTok is going to roll out their new payment thing, where you have to make now a minute long video, or you don't get paid. Um, so I think that's going to drastically alter like what you're seeing mm. in terms of the content on TikTok. Nobody's going to be making ten second, fifteen second, thirty second videos anymore. Um, I do have this question though, with regard to the decline in Instagram numbers. Do you think it at all has anything to do with how the show has been produced over the past, really since the pandemic, where? Well, I won't say since the pandemic. It really is since Matt James' season, where they have tried very hard to cut anything out that would be considered controversial, and therefore, we don't get to follow these players as much. We don't get to know who they are, and so why would we follow them? I think it's just editing in general. You know, if you talk mm-hmm. to like a small group of people, right? And I, you know, I have certain people I can talk to, you know, my family that lean a bit more like I, why are we seeing this like woke stuff on TV? Yeah. Um and also people who want to see more of that. And then I think what I'm hearing from a lot of people, I'm trying to take like my own personal opinion out of this, right? Because my opinion is just one person. Um, I think when there was just so much turnover in production, editing and everything, they didn't just stand their feet in the ground in one spot and say, this is the show that we are and focus on the good storytelling, be it... Mm. um, you know, whether, whether or not it's race related or somebody's past traumas or anything, I think that it just got so messy and they lost sight of, we need to build up these good storylines around these contestants. And it worked well yeah. with Tasha in the past. And like her and Ivan had that amazing conversation that really added to his storyline and to her storyline as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've seen it done well. And she hit a million followers that season. Exactly. And she was an influencer before she went on yeah. that season. I agree with you. And I think Bachelorette season 19 was kind of like the the bottom of the barrel in terms of like making bad creative decisions on the show. Because not only did it do a, a massive disservice to both Bachelorettes because they're splitting screen time, it made it impossible to know who any of those guys were because now you've got two mm-hmm. top fours and who are these people? And then obviously it ended in another racism scandal that they swept under the rug, blah, blah, blah. Yep. But it made it impossible for you to know who any of them were. And therefore, why would you follow any of them? Because yeah. they, these characters are not like interesting in the same way they were in prior eras of the game, I feel like. And to, in my mind, that's all producing. It's yeah. what you're choosing to mm-hmm. show on screen and you're choosing the wrong things. Yeah, because I feel like we know so many of the Golden Bachelor players. I f- or I feel like I yeah. know them parasocially way more. Yeah, and if you look at Bachelor in Paradise this season, for example, like I'm scratching my head looking at some of these storyline editors, and I'm like, why is it the week before the finale and Will 
who went home one of the first few weeks of the show has more screen time. He's like in the top five or six people for most screen time this season. And I'm like, why did you spend so much time on him? I don't, I don't know. I was like, I assumed he ended up with someone with how much they focused on him. Exactly. But I mean, this is, this is what we were talking about in the beginning. They don't, Paradise to me is right now the worst of the products that the Bachelor franchise makes. Yeah. Golden is the best by far. Uh, Paradise is just in utter chaos. I don't know who's running the ship there, but like we said, from the the casting of it, where they have this these great plans and oh, these amazing players are going to come in. If again, if we would have seen the Bachelor in Paradise season that was on paper in the beginning, this would have been a different story. Instead. It's a bunch of night one players that they then choose to make fun of for being people that no one know by just throwing up mm-hmm. a screenshot of them from night one with a red arrow to their head. It's like, who's this guy? Yeah. It's it's like, well, well then why would you do that? You need to support all of these players and make all of them the most entertaining, giant, big, jumping off the screen characters we can see. What they did to Rachel Recchia this season, she never even got a date card. That's a bachelorette. Yeah, exactly. And we're seeing it. We're seeing in the Instagram follower counts too. Like we're at each season, there are less and less people who are are gaining more than 10,000 followers just by going on paradise. And that was the thing was back in the day, you wanted to go on the bachelor and the bachelorette to get a shot to go on paradise. Because when you go on paradise, the number of people Mm -hmm. that would just skyrocket in terms of Instagram followers. And I feel like somebody behind the scenes is just like, no, we don't want people to grow on social media. And it's like, no, you do because that is free advertising for you you want your people to be desirable (laughs) enough that people will go follow them online because that is good for the health of your show yeah and there's just like this whole like narrative like here for the wrong reasons blah blah blah. like i can get that but like we shouldn't be like literally in negotiation stifling their opportunity for growth because what they're going to do instead is what we're seeing just do this season is that a lot of people are like oh she buying followers and it's like no she's working her ass off you know Mm. on tiktok making content and that's what a lot of people don't realize is pre-pandemic you could go on the bachelor and gain 20 30 followers for simply existing on the show Mm. you didn't have to be good at making Mm -hmm. content you didn't need professional photographers or anything like that but these days whether or not you're going on the bachelor love is blind love island Mm. uh look at francesca you know you have to work your butt off actually trying to make content of value for people because in this day and age, everyone's trying to be an influencer. Everybody's making content online. It's no longer like you can just go viral for something that you like put a little bit of effort into. Like you have to fight for people's attention online. And you look at this franchise and it's like the season of paradise. And I'm just like, what are most of you guys doing? Like, I literally mm-hmm. have messaged some of these contestants to be like, are you going to make a TikTok? Like you have some really fascinating stuff that you can show about your job that you like, I'll even say one of them, like John Henry, he's like a welder. And I'm like, I, I literally sent him TikTok videos. And I was like, you could make really interesting content. Yeah. And like, nobody's trying. And it's but like, I think it's, it, it's to some degree what you're saying too, that the producers, whoever is, is in charge of this sentiment in the show. And I think we saw it expressed probably most clearly in seven when, when they sent grocery store, Joe and his gang of, what was it? Disgruntled females to go kick off Brennan Marais and Piper James after they talked about TikTok, And they made very clear, like that was a, a story Instagram. point in the show was Instagram is evil. And if you even say the word 
fuck you. And then Brendan Rice's whole career on Instagram was destroyed overnight. He lost like 100,000 followers in 48 hours. All these brand deals got pulled. And Meanwhile, you know, I gained 14,000 followers for covering that. <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not yes. bad for everybody. But, uh, you know, I, I coach <laughs> players to go into these games now, and it's not just Bachelor at this point. I've been coaching for some other games as well. And the first question that I ask of anybody who comes in that I think is like potentially good for any of these games is what do you want out of this? And if they say Instagram followers or TikTok or whatever, I go, love is blind. Let's get you in love is blind. I don't even tell them to go to Bachelor anymore because it's like it's a detrimental process to you psychologically. All of these shows are. We know that. And then to come out of it and have nothing as a result of it and have the producers mm-hmm. lock you down so you can't even make brand deals for a year after it and all this shit or like do a podcast if you want. It's just, I don't know at this point why any player would go into The Bachelor if they have the skills to go into a Love is Blind or any of these other shows. Um, let me ask you about this. Sorry. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's going to hurt casting too because realistically, all of these people do want to be famous. Like that's just the world we're in. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe you could get someone who's like for the right reasons for TRR, but not really. And like, that's just the reality of it. So if they're going to have to give up their job for this period of time, like you have to make it worth it. Yeah. While still paying rent and utilities while you're gone and all of that. And a lot of people come back and their jobs don't even take them back. You know, it's it's just wild. And what I tell people too is like, why even go on reality TV? Like if you go on reality TV, your TikToks, your videos, like you're not, yeah, you might get like a few brand collaborations while you're like on the show. But if you actually want to make a career online, like you just need to start making content online. You don't need to go on reality TV anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing too. I'm starting to hear on TikTok is like, a lot of influencers are actually like calling out reality TV contestants because if you look at most content creators on TikTok and everything, it's like they started at zero and they just threw content at the wall to see what would stick and got better. And, you know, and they had the time to do that where they weren't in the public eye. Meanwhile, if you go in love is blind bachelor, et cetera, you have to try that content creation process and get good at it while you're in the public eye. So I just tell people like start making content now. You know, totally. I, every influencer or or person who has had like a good Instagram page or TikTok prior to going into the Bachelor that I've coached has like done well. You know, because I think you you also understand that what you're doing in these shows is creating more content. Like, yes, you have to follow whatever the narrative of the show is. I'm going to fall in love, or I'm going to fucking be a Squid Game, or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> but you also know, like, what I'm I'm looking into a camera and talking. I'm making parasocial content here. Um, which brings me to my next question. What do you think now of all these kind of second tier reality shows that are giving some of these old reality players a chance? I'm talking about the villains. I'm talking about World's Toughest Test, which, by the way, every Bachelor player who's gone into World's Toughest Test has won the show. Yeah. What does that say? I I love that. I actually just watched uh, Special Forces for the first time, seasons one and two, after my tonsillectomy. Yeah. me. So if you guys keep seeing me like having to like pause to blow my nose and it's still getting over like that whole <laughs> tonsillectomy thing. I had my tonsils taken out about a year ago as well. Oh my god, it's horrible as an adult. I didn't eat for two it's weeks. The it's worst. horrible. Same. Yeah. Yes. I, but, agree. I hated it. <laughs> but watching Special Forces was amazing, except for the episodes where they're writing the letters to their loved ones. Bodie Miller. That was I, the best one. But I couldn't cry because of my tonsillectomy because it would cause more mucus back there. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. But it was so good. I think, I think what Tyler Cameron said in one of his interviews about how the bachelor franchise like really pushes your mental limits. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely think that that's true. Uh, I do think that casting, they chose some, some really great players from this game. Three of the best that have ever, ever lived. Yeah. In bachelor. I, I have a lot of criticisms of Nick Vial in general and, um, watching that show, I was like, I, I can't oh, really, do you want to air any, uh, watching that show? I, I couldn't criticize him at all. It's like, I would not last yeah. a day right now with my recovering ACL right now, let alone pre-injury. Did you have ACL surgery? I did. So we moved to Colorado. So, so quick- did I, this is oh so bizarre. God. I had my right ACL replaced like seven or eight years ago. My left was, was your skiing, uh, playing racquetball. Okay, a bit different. We moved. Yeah. So when we quit our jobs, uh, we decided to move to Colorado. So that's, I'm actually in Vail right now. Um, nice. To you know, we were always just like, let's retire out in in Colorado and just like ski in retirement. We we're like, wh- why wait until retirement? We might not even like yeah. make it to retirement. So um, we moved out here in fourth day of the ski season last winter. Uh, we were at Copper and an out of control snowboarder took me out from behind and tore oh, my. Shit. MCL, LCL, meniscus in two spots, and my ACL. <laughs> oh, um, fucking snowboarders. <laughs> which is funny because my best friend is one, <laughs> but I'm a skier, and um, it, was, it was pretty traumatic of it. I've, this last year has been literally like the worst year of my life medically because I've never had medical issues. But, anyways, uh, special forces, I was watching after my tonsillectomy recovery, and it was just wild to see them. Um, I did yeah. peek at some social media growth and I was pretty surprised at how few mm-hmm. followers that they got. Um, yeah. But then I think about like what media opportunities this bring them, right? Because you see Tyler Cameron went on Hannah Brown's podcast, right? Which mm-hmm. was a huge PR, uh, PR opportunity for both of them because she has her podcast. He yeah. has his like YouTube radio show that he runs and he's been been hosting lots of like events in different cities. Mm. Um, I think what these smaller shows give them is a platform to kind of like get back in the media. But what they all do correctly is that they seize the moment and they use it as business opportunities. So Hannah Brown, you know, after she went on the show, I think she launched her book and then she launched her podcast Mm. recently. Um, Tyler Cameron has been doing a ton lately. Nick Vial, I mean, he, he doesn't like need it. He makes so much money off of his podcasts, spewing a lot of stuff that just isn't true sometimes. Um, so oh, shots fired. <laughs> um, but I mean, he makes a ton of money already. So I, I do think part of Nick Vial going on that show was just to, like, honestly, was personally for him to see if he could do it. Um, yeah, he's competitive. But all of those like Hannah Brown, Tyler Cameron and Nick Vial, you're looking at a literal pageant winner, a college football standout who almost made it to the NFL. And Nick Vial was uh a college track champion who set records and stuff. These are all highly competitive people who are still at least in Hannah Brown and Tyler Cameron's uh, situation, still like in the physical prime of their life. Yeah. still in very good shape. Uh, I do think there's like seemingly, I've only seen two seasons of this show now, but there is seemingly kind of like an age limit where if you're beyond a certain age, like physically, it's just going to be fucking hard for you to carry like a 400 pound boat up a mountain. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be able to do that, but, um, it's interesting to me, and I, I think they're going to keep dipping into the Bachelor well to find more players. And I'm like, are they? They're going to have to eventually get to like a grocery store Joe who just psychologically is not remotely close to being able to handle this. Eventually, a Bachelor player will lose on that show, but right now they're undefeated. I find that fascinating. Yeah, I mean, stats. Are, just looking at the stats, they're only going to be able to dip into so many people for it to be worth it. Honestly, 
Um, yeah. But what I do find so impressive is the number of like Olympic athletes that these bachelor yeah. contestants beat out in that. I mean, I, I totally. did two half Ironman back in the day and like that alone nearly like killed me each time. I, I had to take like three days off from work after each race. And like, yeah. I was looking at some of the stuff that they were doing in that and just like mad props. But I think, you know, these contestants that go on these shows, it's only going to be worth it to the ones who see the opportunity with the media and totally. whatever projects that they're working on. You know, you don't see Corinne really in the news right now because like, what is, what is she doing? You yeah, know? but also those shows are like, I, and I agree with you. Almost no one watches the shows. Fox reality TV is in the toilet; it always has been. They don't really know how to like promote a reality show. But uh, I agree with you that it's like coming off of those shows, you have to seize that opportunity. I would also say, with regard to like Bachelor players winning it, I think that the experience of Bachelor, which is a prolonged, if you are a good player, two month process where you don't have a phone, you're cut off from society, you're constantly having to deal with psychological games being played with you by the lead, the other players, and most specifically the fucking producers who seem like a, a kind of Machiavellian outer entity. And I think that Special Forces shows the exact same. It's eight days. Like, can you be mentally tough enough to hang in this thing mm -hmm. for a prolonged period? It's not just like, let's go. And you've already trained physically. Yeah, That too. Yeah. I don't know. I just think Bachelor players are, I mean, and it's it's so far, at least in two seasons, I don't know if that's enough data to, to form a trend yet, but maybe season three will be, you know. Uh, but I think they're going to do very well in it. Um, let me ask you this. If you were to give advice to an incoming player who wants to get into reality TV and their goal is social media power, what game should they go into? I feel like you you just got to embrace what you're going to do and not like half, like put your foot into a role. So if you are going to have, I know you guys use different terms for these, so I apologize because I, I have terms no, that I use in mind. But yeah, like, yeah. if you're going to go into it to try to have like that romantic storyline or like a, tra a traumatic past or something like that, like you got to step into that fully. Or if you're going to be a villain, like you got to, you got to go all in like Courtney Robertson, you got to go like Corinne, like the, yeah. I don't give a whatever, you know, I'm trying to be like respectful for any mm. parents listening to this. Um, like, I, I feel like you just got to step into it, but as soon as you come off from recording that show, you have to get on social media and start making content before your season starts. Like start yeah. getting that under your belt. You don't, yes, you can't accept brand deals. I get that. You don't need to. I haven't ever accepted it. In Bachelor, you can't, but other shows you can. Yes, but you don't even have to. Like there yeah. are so many ways to make money off of social media. I accepted one brand deal in my whole time doing bachelor data. And that was just like a collaboration with like a, a media to like, I would post my data after the finale on their website instead of to my page. Um, and it just wasn't beneficial. So I stopped doing brand deals, but like you can create so much other content and just figure out what your goal is. Like, are you going to have an educational type of account? Like, are you going to be mm -hmm. a realtor teaching people how to get into that? Or are you going to be a lifestyle influencer? Lifestyle is much harder to break into than anything else. So find sure. something that you're passionate about and you don't need to be the best at it. Trust me, there are people on social media that are much better at Excel than I am. But all you have to do is have like a 10% edge on people in general, like your audience, to be able to teach them. You got the charisma though. Well, and that's the thing. You, the only reason I have the charisma is because I have put taken the time to be on camera and get comfortable with it, you know? Because yeah. let me tell you that when I had to give presentations to my school districts before I started doing anything on social media, I, 
I was not good at talking in front of people, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> like you just got to try and like figure out your goal. Like, are you like, what type of content creator are you going to be and just start doing it? Um, and if it can tie into the show, great. If not, just like seize the opportunity while you're on, you know, the show and sprinkle in some show stuff in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just, I mean, if I had to choose though, I would go in and be like everybody's best friend and like try to have one of those storylines, but, um, nice. and then I would, stab them all in the back in the end. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Gain their confidence and then destroy them. This but is the also, take out their ACLs. But not to their face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, no, but, uh, <laughs> what show would you recommend someone go on if they're looking for the best per capita social media opportunities? What are we looking at now? And I'm talking about when I say per capita, I mean like Bachelor per capita is 30 players. Even Night Ones, uh, yeah. Love is Blind is what is that? Roughly 40? Do they do roughly 20 guys, 20 girls in the beginning, and then they cut almost all of them out? 25 and 25 or 20 and 20? 25 and 25. I don't remember what it was this past disastrous uh, season five, but it's, you know, taking all that into account, like there are some people who never even see screen time, zero screen time for their experience in Love is Blind. So taking that into account, taking night one players into account, Bachelor uh, franchise, and what we're seeing with the Instagram and the TikTok numbers declining, what do you think as a player's best shot what game, like what show should they go on if they have that choice? Right now, honestly, I would choose Love is Blind. Like that's the yeah. show that I would mm-hmm. choose. Um, the only reason is for me, Love Island, like it, it is Love is Blind. You can really get any brand deal. And I think Love Island, just like the premise of the show and everything, like mm-hmm. it isn't as like... How do I phrase this? And I just as a disclaimer, I lightly watch Love Island. I don't watch this show like heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think Love is Blind, like it's it's a global audience, just like Love Island is. But Love Island, I just feel like the people who come off the show, their their brand deals are pretty limited based on the images that they create of their characters on their show. Whereas Love mm-hmm. Love is Blind is more like they're trying to just show these like potential marriages yeah. that are happening, everything. And I think um Love Island can be a bit more like just different characters. Um, yeah. It's just more opportunity. Um, but still, love it. Love is blind. We're seeing so many people who went on the show and just didn't try to get good at content creation. And yeah, now that the show's over, it. it's like nothing's going on. But meanwhile, yep. you look at like season one, and it's like Lauren and Cameron, like they know. those opportunities, and they they were making great content on Instagram, mm-hmm. and like well, Lauren was a content creator right before, yeah. You mentioned that you have messaged certain players. Why aren't you making a TikTok? Uh, we yeah. are, you know, tracking the TikToks as well. Is it just that people aren't making the TikToks except Jess? Do you think that what do you what do you think is going on? Why aren't we seeing the TikTok numbers hit a million followers if it's the new Instagram? Well, first off, I just want to say, I know I gave the John Henry example, but I literally just messaged him because I was like, hey, I like it. And the reason why I messaged them in general is typically just because I can't find them on TikTok and I want to make sure I'm not like missing them. Um, because hmm. a lot of people make accounts, they don't realize how to like put their name in there for SEO. So I just messaged them and be like, hey, I just want to like make sure am I missing you? Um, and then I'll like follow up with them if they're like, well, I'm going to make an account in a few weeks or like once the season starts. And then I follow up with them. But I will say nobody from the franchise is telling them not to make TikTok accounts. So that is not a reason why people aren't doing it. Um, but I think it's it's overwhelming. Like it is, mm-hmm. and I will speak from experience, like it is very time consuming to make content on TikTok. 
it's, and especially Mm -hmm. from my perspective, like first I have to source the data, then I have to like find trends, make it look pretty, create a script, put makeup on, set up my camera, record, edit, and then it finally gets on there. So that's like a day's worth of work plus. Um, And you got to do it every day. Your TikTok algorithm algorithm needs to be fed daily or it's almost pointless. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt. And (laughs) my um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no rollback waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. 
and I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. Exactly. And that's the thing is there are people on this show who are really trying to do it. Jess is one of the best this season. Um, She's really seizing the moment. Her content, you know, some of it hits, some of it doesn't, but she's getting better Mm -hmm. and better at it. Um, But I think just a lot. Is there anyone else that you think is doing really well? Oh, let me look at the data. It's funny because they're just like not on my algorithm. Pilot Pete, he does make some videos that pop off. I have to give him that. I get so annoyed with his username because he he definitely changed it after uh, the original Pilot Pete had his account. <laughs> um, but let's see who else. I think uh, Rachel is making content on there. I think it's going well. Um, people are very polarizing in her comments, especially about her eyebrows, which I... I'll never understand. <laughs> it's like if you don't like her eyebrows, like just move on, swipe. Like, why do you have to tell her how much you hate her eyebrows? She doesn't care. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I know Greer, she Greer and um, who's the other one? She went home early. Davia. Davia is one of those that like she hardly got any screen time. She hardly has any followers, but she is constantly coming up on my algorithm with somebody who's just like making content. And I don't know if she's doing it to mm. become an influencer or she just like loves doing it. Um, yeah. But she is just constantly making content on there but um as far as who isn't it's it's the men the men are not doing it like none of them are correct (laughs) they don't know how to play the game either i've i've tried to coach a few it's uh difficult (laughs) as opposed to (laughs) we look back at like pre-pandemic days and some of those contestants that we got it's just like where did those people go we had such good contestants (laughs) look i think this is also a symptom of of what the producers are doing nobody goes into the bachelor now like excited and fun to be there. They are all scared mm-hmm. shitless of how these producers are going to wreck their life, especially going into paradise because all those players have been through a rookie season of bachelor or bachelorette and they've firsthand experienced producers screwing with them. And they're like, shit, what are they going to do to me now? They have yeah. really turned the franchise into a place of terror. And I don't think that's where you, you're <laughs> never going to get an Ashley. Iaconetti If somebody's like scared of everybody around the corner is going to fucking give them a bad edit or make their old boyfriend pop out of a box and, and you know, whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think that they have they need to get back to what the show was pre pandemic, which really was like the producers took a more kind of in the shadows approach to it. And the players were still kind mm-hmm. of having fun. There was somewhere in there. I would I would argue it started in, in season 18 with Juan Pablo Galvis being the first villain bachelor. But it kind of came to a head in 24 with what they Bachelor 24 with what they did to Pilot Pete, where they were just like openly lying to him, like Hannah Hanslus isn't going to come to this rose ceremony. And he's like, oh my God. And he's having a nervous breakdown. It's like, yes, she is. They're just yeah. lying to him <laughs> to like destroy him. Or like, tell me why Champagne Gate happened with Hannah Ann and Kelsey. Like, why, why did the producers tell her to grab that champagne? You know, and, and I even think back to like Matt James is a great example too, where like he didn't get yeah. a villain edit, but like, 
they absolutely edited out his personality. And now that we all see him on TikTok, mm-hmm. I'm like, this guy is so fun. Like, where was that? He's hilarious. Yeah. You know, yeah, they racked it. Yeah. All right. I have one more question before we wrap up. Do you use artificial intelligence yet for anything that you do? I don't. And I don't let any AI touch any of my data. But I do Interesting. let... I let mm. AI... I use it heavily in my education startup for customer service um, mm. to help me just like auto-generate some responses. So I don't like type them all out and then I go in and edit. But right now, I'm not letting anything touch my data just yet. I do just like as a disclaimer for people, as you're hearing me talk about Excel and everything, I am an Excel creator. I, it's like a... I'm not paid by them, um, but mm. I do get access to like early you know, releases and stuff. So like, I, I know what hasn't come out yet. Um, and I do want to use it. I just need to get on like the business enterprise plans where they can't use my data to feed their algorithm. Um, yeah, personally, but I do have some fun stuff in the works for people who want to have access to more of my data, um, to learn how to use Excel and stuff in the future. So, um, that will be coming soon, but right now I haven't had it touch it, but I also don't really need it. I know this data, like the back of my hand and I can find the trends pretty quick. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, thank you so much for being with us and for going through all of this. As always, it is a pleasure to talk to somebody at a high level who understands the numbers of our beloved game and all these different games that are popping off. Um, Where should anyone find you to find out more about your Excel programs and anything you got going on? Yeah, uh, just Bachelor Data or Pop Culture Data. That's my new account that's really going to be uh, we're going to be spending a ton more time uh, in 2024 building that out, like Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, other reality TV shows. Um, and I also want to say a special thank you to you two for creating such an amazing community. The number of people who come from your world with just wholehearted support from what I do as well, and just the kindness that they bring. And I, I also, I don't think I told you guys this story, but when we were out here in Denver, house hunting before we moved here we went to like a, a meetup event to like we we're like how are people in denver like we've never been here and i met some of your fans and i've been talking to them for an hour and they didn't realize like my face and like who i was like they didn't connect it until like i brought up like oh like i teach people excel online and it's just like leave it at that and then they somebody like kept asking me questions and he goes oh you have to talk to lisa she loves game of roses and she would die to like hear what you do and i was like oh gosh she like definitely knows who i am if she listens that much (laughs) and when i got to when i went over to talk to her she literally like dropped to the ground and was like oh my god bachelor data and that is a testament to the community that you guys have grown and like i just i want to thank you guys because the number of amazing people i've met in real life also online that came from you guys it like I feel like so much of what we do crosses over, but we're so unique yeah, in our own sure. way. And what you guys have built so much helps what I do. And I feel like also some of my stuff comes back to you guys and your community is just so wonderful and so positive. It's so amazing. So I just thank you for having me on three years ago. Please. It, it was our pleasure. <laughs> oh my God. We want to have you on more. <laughs> Please. We we need all the updates. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really think what you're doing is like, it's, I think, fundamentally the most important thing being done in terms of like really analyzing what this game is, the system of how this show is made, what players do in it, what are the most important metrics and stuff. I know, like you said, some of our stuff crosses over. We look at some other data that you don't and you look at some data that we don't. But like the your screen time analysis is like mind-blowing to me that you have 
every episode down to the fucking second, you know, and you're watching it and you're typing that. Like, <laughs> it's insane to me oh that, that, that data even exists <laughs> at the level it does. Um, so we can't thank you enough for everything that you're doing to to support all of this stuff, you know? Well, thank you so much. Yeah, but when are you going to start tracking uh, yeah. Jesse Palmer's tings? Let me know. I have that data <laughs> if you need it. Yeah, if you want to make a chart, just let me know. Uh, <laughs> the amount of times he hits the glass. <laughs> That's what I thought of when you were yeah. like, we track some things you don't. <laughs> exactly. But thank you again for uh, for joining us. Yeah, it was a pleasure as always. Thanks for having me, guys. Talk to you guys soon. In this room, there is beauty and poise and intellect. You've really inspired me. Oh, so, that's so great. I would like to propose the toast to all of you. Let the journey begin. I want this side of the room to repeat after me. A hoo-ha is a vagina. A hoo-ha is a vagina. Oh, this is so much fun. It's not malicious. I don't want it. So can I just give you some friendly advice? Mm-hmm. I was flying up into the hot tub. Then I got a little nervous. Hot tub on The Bachelor is serious. <laughs> it is. I didn't think that you should be the new papa. Oh, is that right? Through our journey and our experience, we've become more hopeful. We've become more optimistic. We've realized that our age, we're not invisible, that we have meaning, and that we have many things to offer. It's like... We made history together. We have so much to be proud of. I will say it's hot in here. It is hot. I'm finding the thermostat. Oh my God, it's set at 80. Oh God. What do you like, 70? 69. This rose is different. A little. It's never going to wilt. It'll last forever. And it's a symbol of the love that we have for each other. So, Teresa. Will you accept this, Rose? Oh, my God, yes! We've got our top 10 takeaways from this historic season of Golden Bachelor. And then at the end of this, we're going to do our season-long awards. Let's start with number 10 here. Before the season even began, the promotion for Golden Bachelor was off the charts. They had in LA and New York pop-up Golden uh, storefronts. I went to one out here in LA, Mel's mm-hmm. Diner. There's a little video I made of it on our our Patreon. If you care to see it, you did um, some shady. Deals it was just mind blowing. The merch. <laughs> I did a shady deal. I did do a shady deal to get a golden jacket that one of the people there promoting it was wearing. I had to go to a back alley uh, after hours. It felt like a drug deal from a movie in the 80s. And uh, the high was just as good. It reminded me of when you went and met a stranger to buy a Mr. Mime. (laughs) Yeah, I did do that as well. I've done some things in my time to get what I need in this Mm -hmm. world. But the promotion for Golden Bachelor uh, let us know right off the bat this was going to be a different thing. They have not Mm -hmm. promoted any of their other seasons at least in recent history, anywhere near this level. To the sixth time. There were commercials. They had Gary on everything. No, I saw yeah. so many billboards. Golden Gary, the God, was above me everywhere I drove in L.A. And our number nine top takeaway from the first Golden Bachelor season This was a shorter season. We had fewer players. We had only one hour for all of the episodes until the finale. So, you know, and what's strange to me about that is that I feel like I know the players better than I know the players on BIP. How does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense because you have better producing. But 
I will also say that it, it's a shorter season, yes, by a couple of episodes. So not only do we have fewer mm-hmm. players, we had uh, fewer components of the game, fewer group dates, fewer one-on-ones, all of that than we do in a normal season. But like you're saying, it didn't matter because the producing was so good. And like you're saying also, an hour as opposed to two of a normal main game. But it didn't matter because it was so good. We haven't seen that since the first few seasons of Bachelor. Yeah. And I think they learned a lesson here. Obviously, it was, we'll get to one of our later points about the ratings, but I believe ABC understood almost immediately that, oopsie, this should be two hours Mm -hmm. in a full episode order. They were hedging their bets because it was a little outside the format, you know, older players and all this stuff. But in the end, I I think they did it a disservice and I don't think we're going to see this again. My error was when I said I might not watch or I might not cover it. (laughs) Yeah. I, from the very beginning, I was like, this thing's going to be massive. It's going to be so big because it's like anytime you take something that is still beloved, but has like, you know, we get it. We all understand what the bachelor and bachelor is. There's no surprises there. Mm -hmm. If you can inject something into it like this, that is a slight alteration of the same format with something you've never seen before. Explosive. This, the same the thing would happen and be the first. Yeah. I think there'll be a bunch of like older dating shows coming out now, but I think they could achieve this same result with plus size cast, uh, non straight cast, mm-hmm. anything like that, that just takes the format and like spins it a little bit. Forties and fifties. Yeah. Gen X, they could do midlife bachelor. <laughs> Yeah, just do one for every year. Everybody on this season yes. is 28. Everybody on this season is 29, 30, so on and so forth. Release them all simultaneously so that ABC is running a 24-hour slate of different aged Bachelor shows. Let's move on to number eight on our list. Combating ageism. For the first time ever, all players are over 40. That's the premise of the show. But up to this point, and I mean, over 40, they were all over 60, I believe. I don't think there was anyone yeah, under 60, 60 years old. But up to this point, the oldest player you saw cast in a show was 40. That would have been Byron Velvick uh, back in season seven of The Bachelor. And Claire Crawley was 40 when she was wearing the crown, turned 40 during the shooting, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that's it. We've seen some other players. You had Bukowski in his late 30s, the journeyman, when he came on to Bachelor in Paradise season seven, I believe, uh, or six, maybe it was. Jay Overby, I think, was also 40. Yeah, Overby was also 40 in that season. The season six alternate Bachelor. But yeah, not uh, a a complete departure from what we are used to. What else was a complete departure is our number seven top takeaway. We had a different structure in part due to this shorter season. We only got three hometown dates and two fantasy suites. We've seen the numbers messed with a little. I'm thinking of Hannah Brown, who had four hometowns and then insisted on four fantasy suites. Um, But very little deviation unless, you know, a Colton Underwood, you know, dump everybody except for one and play out the rest of the season. But the playoffs were were trimmed down. And I got to say, I missed the old way of things in this regard. I Mm. like four hometowns lead to three fantasy suites lead to two finalists. That math works. It's an escalation of the narrative. It's an escalation of the, uh, you know, game of attrition. Basically it's like every round counts. 
in this one, it was kind of like fantasy suites was just like a throwaway. I know that's where the, where he, whatever <laughs> discovered that he was going to marry Teresa. I think that's where he discovered mm-hmm. that she had money, but, um, I understand that. So it was narratively still important, but it didn't do anything to ratchet up the drama of, oh, fuck, who's going to get picked? Who's going to get picked? These two players mm-hmm. were going to be in fantasy suites and make it through to the finals. You knew that. And so I think it did a little bit of a disservice. And I think this is the last time we'll see this. You want the ideal structure of three fantasy suites. You can have one HJ, one sloppy BJ, and one sex or 69. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they do it? Yeah. <laughs> so, unfortunately, you have got the sloppy BJ slot uh, this season. And, um, I don't know if that's why they do it, but uh, I'm hoping that they get back to it in the next iteration of Golden. I believe they will. Let's move on to our number six takeaway from Golden Bachelor. This is the first time in the history of any Bachelor product that the wedding date of the couple who ends the show together was announced at the after the final rose. They are mm-hmm. super speeding this. And so that uh, wedding is obviously going to be January 4th. We will be covering it. Um, I find it fascinating that they're able to do this and it fits the narrative of like they're older players. Time is a ticking, whatever. Mm-hmm. You just aren't going to see this ever with, with younger players because they're not really in it to get married. They're in it to be influencers. <laughs> and if they can stay together for some amount of years after that and then actually build a relationship, maybe they will get married. Trista was the fastest one other than this, I think. And she was about a year after her uh, season ended. And that event was a three episode over aired over the course of three weeks event that she got paid a million dollars for back in the old days. You're never going to see that again, obviously. But And I'm sure that they got paid as well. And I think that's part of why you don't see that is they're not going to air every bachelor wedding right. on ABC. Uh, they've tried to force this before. I remember when they mm-hmm. flew in Ben Higgins' pastor God. to the after the final rose and tried to force them to get married on stage. Yeah. I think that you might see in the Golden franchise more of this. I think like them getting married quickly after the mm. show could kind of be like a thing. It. I do too, because it gives you like the thing about all bachelor relationships, unless they get married or break up very quickly, you're like just kind of left wondering. And then if they do get married or they do break up like a year and a half later and you see it in an Us Weekly article or something, it's just mm. kind of like a a non-end to the story. It just kind of like fizzles out in either direction. If they get married or don't, you're just kind of like, oh, they got married. Okay. Or, oh, they broke up. Yeah, whatever. But here, they're giving you a televised ending of this story, happy ending at that. And I think it's a good way to go narratively. Hopefully, like I said, hopefully the the golden version of this franchise will produce a lot more of these. Our number five top takeaway is... Regarding those hometown dates, we had the first meeting of the children and grandchildren. In this case, the children and the grandchildren are delivering the glows, the blessings. The only children we've had meet before have been like, if you have a package deal player, mm-hmm. an Emily Maynard, etc. Um, but, you know, it's a different structure. It's a different power dynamic when the meeting of the family is set up this way. Absolutely. I loved seeing it. I did think it was um, 
kind of interesting. We we saw them kind of like try to get in there the blessings and the glows. The glows doesn't matter who's giving that. Anyone can give a glow. Giving mm-hmm. a blessing though implies a position of authority over the person who's trying to get the blessing from you, and that simply can't exist with a, a person who is that old. They are going to be the mm-hmm. de facto authority, whether it's a bachelor or bachelorette, in any of these given situations. But I thought they did a good job with it. It still made Thank it you. seem like Gary wanted to impress the the children in this family, all the various families. And still get their blessings. And he did in one case, I remember, at the very least. I mean, my runner-up for face play was those grandchildren who did uh, Teresa's duck face. Loved that. Yeah, they were great. I Fuck, I'll never forget it. Some of the best hometowns that we've ever seen. Let's move on here. Our number four top ten takeaway is this was the first new product from the Bachelor franchise with zero involvement from Fleiss. He was not involved in the casting of this. He was not involved in any part of this other than the format, the one man dating 20 plus women game of attrition. He invented that back in you know 2002 mm-hmm. or 2001, arguably when, it, when he was developing it, but he had nothing to do with this show in any capacity. He did not help casting. Well, who gets the ring if they break up? <laughs> they probably still will send that to him. He just gets a FedEx package. What the fuck's this? Opens it. Oh, another fucking ring. Throw it on a pile. He's just got a giant treasure hoard like a dragon of them. But because he wasn't involved, I, I don't know if, if this is why the show was like so much better or not. But we saw in uh, Charity Lawson's Bachelor at season 20, that was the first season of one of the main games that he wasn't like specifically involved in. He was still kind of around during the casting of that, during the choice to make Charity Lawson the Bachelorette. That was not who he wanted as Bachelorette. Even though he fought against it, yeah. He did. He fought against it, and as a result, got uh, pushed out of the franchise. But here, from top to bottom, he was nowhere near this show, and it just had a different feel. Is that because of him? Is that because ABC and Warner Brothers knew what they were fucking doing here and knew that they had to turn out something different? I don't exactly know, Mm -hmm. but I think it it is definitely worth noting that if Charity Lawson's season was kind of like the fulcrum that's where it's mm-hmm. shifting a little bit. Now we are firmly in a fleiceless bachelor world, and this is the first product delivered, and this product is the best product that I think Bachelor has ever made. Mm-hmm. Don't need him. Number three Correct. top takeaway perhaps has something to do with this. It's legacy. We saw the start of this in charity season with those videos from the former bachelorettes, kind of a virtual Council of Crowns. At the finale for this show, we had Sweet Nums. We had 747 Flyer. We had Trista and Ryan. We had Charity and Dot. And we had Zach and Katie and Joey, the future crown. I loved this. I feel like I, you know, we loved it during charity season. And I hope that it continues. It is the thing that this franchise has over any of those potential spinoffs that try to copy. I agree. They also had in that same after the final rose audience. Don't forget Jennifer Love Hewitt, giant star power, mega celebrity Jennifer Love Hewitt. (laughs) I can't believe that was actually her. It was. I read a bunch of different blogs and articles and stuff about it. I guess she's a big celebrity fan. This is what you need to do, by the way, every season. And Reese Witherspoon's kid was there. And mom. Oh, I didn't know that. Bachelor definitely has its little pool of celebrities that they pull from to do guest hosting jobs. Lance Bass comes to mind. David Spade, Lil John. <laughs> Is mm-hmm. he a bachelor fan? So bizarre. Uh, Ashton and Mila. Yeah, they hosted a date. Um, you know, and we've seen various celebrities come in and in and out throughout the franchise's 
history. Billy on the street. That's true. But now more than ever, I feel they need those A-list celebrities like Jennifer Love Hewitt. I don't know if she's A-list, but they need to populate their audiences with people like this. And I agree with the legacy. Um, seeing these old players come there, seeing Trista in the beginning of the season give the advice that Gary would then use the catchphrase from until mm-hmm. the end of the season, using it in his, his final fucking vows. You're the person I can't live without. Mm-hmm. Like that type of writing is very good. It shows that the the original concept of this show that was started way back in Bachelor at season one that allowed Trista to fall in love with uh, poet laureate of Bachelor Nation bucket hat connoisseur Ryan Sutter, the thing that allowed her to do that still holds true today. Her philosophy then still works today. She imparts it upon this golden bachelor and he's using it in his fucking vows. Weave shit like that in throughout. Make it coherent. The entire Bachelor from uh, episode one to where we are now, it's all the same thing. And I thought they did a good job of that here. Are you saying that uh, Zach Shalcross should have taken his advice from Sean Lowe and incorporated a sandwich into yes. his proposal? And working out. No, I mean, that season was a disaster, obviously. Uh, I won't say it was a disaster. It was just very boring and like... They went overboard on the Sean Lowe thing. They thought that was what they were going to be able to hang their hat on for that whole season. And it got tired in the first episode and they just kept doing it. And uh, I was happy to actually see Sean Lowe was nowhere near Golden Bachelor, which is hard to believe that they didn't just cram Mm -hmm. him down our throat again, but they didn't. They went this opposite way by bringing back Trista, which I just thought was fucking brilliant. Um, Mm -hmm. Like she's the voice of Golden Bachelor. Brilliant. I mean, she hosts AFOG and she's also, you know, representative of the first person of a franchise that creates its own legacy. Yeah, she was the first successful marriage. Um, At any rate, we move on now to number two on our top 10 list. We're talking about the sisterhood. We're talking about the prestige. This season, formally speaking, did have a villain, but it didn't really. Kathy was your villain of this season, but even she was funny and fucking beloved. People zip it, asking all these things that she is doing. Uh, These players generally, I mean, I'll lump this into number two as well. The casting of the players of this first season was just through the fucking roof. Every one of them was a goddamn superstar. You haven't seen a player pool this deep in talent since like... I want to go back to uh, maybe 22, 23, Bachelor 22, 23. You still had huge player pool talent uh, in those eras. What about Popeye? Popeye's top four were like unbeatable. Who else? I rest my case, Your Honor. (laughs) Uh, I'm just saying that everybody on this season, pretty much, even down into like the, the early tier, when you saw like, Joan Vassos. Patty James night one. Yeah, exactly. Patty James is a night one player. There's not much more to say after that, but all these players also came together and they were there for each other. And the narrative of the second audience, like from episode one to the end, other than that little dust up between Kathy and Teresa, which was still entertaining. Beyond that, it was sisterhood. It was that they were there for each other. They're having fun in this experience together. Even if they don't wind up with Gary, they're just there to get this chance to show not only each other, but the world that age ain't nothing and you're, you're still deserving of love and can still find it. That felt mm-hmm. sincere 
because of the casting and because of how these women were presented. And our number one takeaway from the first ever Golden Bachelor season is it was a ratings juggernaut. This is something we haven't seen for many, many years in this franchise. And this means that Golden will now be the marquee Bachelor franchise show moving into the future. Six million people watched the finale. Yeah, it's definitely going to spawn Golden Bachelorette and another Golden Bachelor, maybe a Golden Paradise. I don't know. But all eggs will be in the Golden Basket for ABC and Warner Brothers moving forward. I don't know what that's going to mean exactly for things like Paradise. I think they'll probably still keep Bachelor and Bachelorette around. Paradise, though, might get pared down. I don't know what's going to happen. I Uh just know that most of the marketing money that is going to be allocated toward Bachelor is going to go to this, not the other shit, because this thing is going to get them the most money. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be very interesting to see this next year what the landscape of the Bachelor franchise is as we move into this now, the golden domination, basically. Um, And I'm curious to see what will be the role of Gary and Teresa. They now are going to be legacy players. Mm. They are now Bachelor royalty. And I think they'll be brought back again and again and again for a wide variety of things. We already saw in in uh, Grazia Day's promo, they're bringing back April Kirkwood at the very least to host some kind of date or be a part of that. So they know where the bread is buttered and uh, they're going to be spending, I think, more money and time promoting Golden. I don't think I've ever been as excited to see what the next year's schedule looks like. For real, for real. We know uh, Bachelor 28 is coming on the 22nd, and we know that Gary and Teresa are going to be wed lawfully and in the eyes of their God on January 4th. Other than that, we have no idea when Bachelorette is coming, if BIP is coming next season, how the fuck they're going to do the next Golden Bachelor, Golden Bachelorette. There's just so much uh, about to happen because of these ratings, because the show performed so well and really made Gary a kind of national celebrity, even though his Instagram numbers wouldn't tell you that. We had a couple other uh, notable, didn't make the top 10, but uh, a first, we had our first golden final rose. We've only seen one other rose color during uh, season four, Gingen, when he gave out these strange group date white roses to the players who were going to move on from the group date, but it wasn't a rose ceremony. They weren't safe. We actually had a different color of roses as well in season six. Remember when the women had to cast their votes for Velvic or Overby? We had yellow roses. I forgot about that. Vote roses. And the other one is we got that Hollywood Reporter article. The show did not address it during the after the final rose. And... um, Is this a new era of avoiding controversy? Perhaps. I mean, Gary was also very media trained on this. He did an interview. Him and Teresa did a a joint interview with Katie Couric, I believe the day after after the final rose. And she came straight at him with it. Now, this article came out and it alleges that you had a relationship, blah, blah, blah. What do you have to say about that? Listen, uh, what is in the past is in the past. Teresa and I are together now and we're moving forward in the future. I can't wait to get married to this woman I love. No, 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 no. He's just fucking, nope, nothing to see here. Bye-bye. He did that to it, and it was like, whoa, okay, and that's going to be that. I think his daughter also made some comment that was like, this person was just bitter. I don't even remember her name or something like that. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's something, too, that you got to get to is like, 
not only did these producers of the show make Gary lie, I believe, I don't have evidence to this, but like, I can't imagine it's any other way. They made him lie about this to all these women and just be like, nope, erase that. Didn't happen. Did not happen. Whoever that person was, this in quotes, Carolyn in that article doesn't exist. That's a made up thing. They got his daughters to also toe that line to say nothing about Mm -hmm. this to anyone. Sure, the person's bitter, whatever, but like, did he live with her for a year and a half or not? Was her name on the bills for a year and a half or not? Why is she getting bills? Yeah, Exactly. Like, did he, he was telling people he didn't fucking kiss anybody on the show. He said that? I I haven't really kissed anybody since my wife. I mean, look, they got him to lie on behalf of this like squeaky clean narrative. Maybe they had no kissing. (laughs) That's right. I guess we don't know the specifics of this year and a half long live in relationship, but maybe there was no kissing. Uh, I just found it interesting that they wielded this much power and this one worked. They were able to sweep this under the rug, you know, and I think also Mm -hmm. because it's not like the scandals of the past. Most recent seasons have almost exclusively been race related uh, scandals. This was not. This was just like kind of lying about his past relationship history to make him look a little more for TRR. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not as big as a of a transgression. I don't know, but. That's our top 10 for the season, uh, along with these two extra things. It has been, in fact, an absolutely incredible season, and we saw a lot of plays. So now it's time to talk about our our year-end awards. These are our plays of the season. Who was your creature of the season? Faith's living horse that she rode on during her hometown day and alluded to the previous horse being her reason for not wanting to move, which was almost my error of the season. Yeah. Was my... (laughs) Creature of the season. Faith's horse was also my... (laughs) Creature of the season. The horse is, of course, the symbol of our beautiful, beloved game. So I'm always going to give it to horses. They always have a special place in my heart. This was a horse owned by your third place finisher and like you're saying, uh, presented in contrast to the dead horse that um, anchored Mm -hmm. Faith to her hometown, making it unable to leave. She needed to be Mm -hmm. by that corpse at all times. What was your error of the season? Without question, Joan Vasso self-eliminating in episode three was my error of the season. I think Joan Vassos could have won the whole thing had she stayed in the game. You know, she eliminated. We saw another elimination early on. We saw two eliminations, two self-eliminations based on my family needs me. I don't know if that's something that's just going to be part and parcel with a golden season or not. But I think Joan Vassos Mm -hmm. here really screwed up. Could have gone uh, much further in this game. And I think could have come out of this with a ring or a crown had she stayed in the game. I am holding on that one. I'm like, if she becomes the crown, she didn't need it. And this play made her look for TRR. She ain't the crown. We know this. We don't know this. Yeah, come on. You don't think they would have announced FEMA at the After the Final Rose if it was her? I think they are still locked in like figuring out when is this going to air? When would we shoot? Mm -hmm. I don't think they're offering it to anybody until they have like their logistics locked in. Time will tell. Yeah. Gary telling FEMA, I think you're the one, was my 
error of the season. Eesh, yeah. <laughs> it was a bad one. That was, uh, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Breaking a cardinal rule there, Gary, my boy. Don't want to do that. And, I mean, it might propel her her victimization edit into a crown play, so. Yeah. Not that I think he was doing that on purpose, but. What was your face play of the season? Gary's hometown shocked full eye aperture reaction to being asked if he was going to have sex in the fantasy suites was my face play of the season. A lot of strong face play from a lot of players this season, but I liked Gary's reactions to when the families were asking about like, what are you going to do in the fantasy suites or are you going to be knocking boots? He always had good facial reactions to that type of stuff. How about you? I'm wondering if mine is the exact same, but when Gary retells Teresa's limo exit voluntary nudity play, he made my face play of the season. Yes, that was mine. That was my same one. Okay. I thought so he, they were the asking him about <laughs> sex. Maybe it was uh, about her, her nudity. Well, he's thing. got his arms up like this, I think, showing a flashing. Oh, right. You're right. That's what it was. That's what mine was, too. Uh, who was your Jorge Moreno bystander of the season? Chris Jenner oh. at the Women Tell All was my... Jorge Moreno bystander of the season. She is A-list, and she anointed the Golden Bachelor with this video, in my opinion. Interesting. I agree with you. However, Franco LaCosta was my... Poor game random by center of the season. I love to see Franco anytime he comes on screen. Mm -hmm. He basically is in every season of The Bachelor now. He's, of course, the uh, celebrity photographer who comes to do whatever the photography group date is going to be, if they're going to be in wedding dresses or whatever. And he had one early on uh, this season in episode two. Thank you, Franco, for your service. Uh, you're one of the best Jorge Moreno's that uh, has ever lived. Uh, breaking news clues. They yeah. just launched the Joey poster on Instagram. And guess what the tagline is? Um, hang on a minute. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess and then I'm gonna go to it. Is it on it's on Bachelor Official? It's on Joey and Bachelor and ABC Network. Uh the tagline maybe is going to be something with tennis, I could see. Game set match. Is that it? You nailed it. That's what it is. That is what it is. Game set match. Does the poster have tennis shit in it? Yes, there's a he's in front of Ro, he's in roses and there's a tennis net behind him. I'm going there now. Oh, my God. I guessed it exactly. I can't believe you nailed it. You are a literal genius. Howie Mandel was right. It's just the easiest road. That doesn't actually give me hope. That doesn't give me hope. Your beautiful mind. I mean, they're calling it a game, though. Yeah. I don't know. What was your play of the season? Leslie Fema. In her hot seat at the after the final rose, telling Gary the things you said to me in the fantasy suite made me think I was it. I won't reveal them, but you fucked me over. Was my play, play of the, the season. season. 
I think that got her the crown. I mean, I think a lot of what she did in the final episode got her the crown, but that to me was just like the cherry on top. It's you fuck me over. I have conclusive evidence that you are a bad asshole who fucked me over and uh, victimized me, but I'm too classy to reveal it. That's Bachelorette play right there. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. What was your play of the season? Leslie Fema's last date breakup speech was my play of the season. When she said, Gary, no offense, I can think whatever the fuck I want. I saw the Golden Bachelorette promo. I saw Claire Crawley. I saw Caitlin Bristow. I think that this moment secured it. Because it really, it she seems so for TRR. He was crushing her heart. She's crying, et cetera. I mean, I think both were excellent plays, but this was iconic. Yeah, I agree. Who was your MVP? No surprise here. Leslie Fema was my MVP. I feel like we thought she would be a front runner just looking at her Instagram and we were not, I was not disappointed with her play throughout the season. I feel like she played pretty much a perfect season. Yeah. Leslie. And she deserves the golden crown in my opinion. I agree. And that is why Leslie Fema was also my MVP of the season. I agree with you. A perfectly played season here. And uh, you just can't do a a victimization play better than she did in the last two games. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see any way, at least in terms of the fourth audience, that you could satisfy us with a Golden Bachelorette who is not Leslie Fema. She deserves mm-hmm. it. We need to see her find love. We are heavily invested in her story and who she is as a person. We need that. And... If you want Golden Bachelor to have the same ratings, it has to be her. Because even if you have somebody like Joan Vassos, who we thought was going to be it for a long time, you're going to have to spend at least that first episode building her up. Who is she? We don't know as much about anybody else as we do about Mm -hmm. FEMA. Even Faith uh, Martin, I I would say, we don't know as much about her as we do about FEMA. And we haven't seen anyone go through as much heartache as we saw FEMA go through. I think she's... uh, She's put in a perfect season to go to crown here. Fantastic work. I agree. And I also, not only her victimization edit, but I think she would be a fun golden bachelorette. Absolutely. Like she has the dancing, the humor. Yeah. She has kind of a more alternative family. And I just would, I can't wait to watch that season. I agree. I agree. And hopefully we won't have to wait too long. But that wraps up our coverage of Golden Bachelor Season 1. These are our final takeaways and awards. We thank everyone for joining us this season. And uh, again, thank Bachelor Data for joining us for that conversation Mm -hmm. up top about what's going on in social media with all of our favorite players. And Lizzie Pace, a.k.a. Pace Case, I thank you for covering another great season of our beloved game. One of my favorites so far of all time. It was an absolute pleasure, Chad Colchin. Thank you very much. I agree. And we will see you on Friday with our recap of three hours of Bachelor in Paradise (laughs) season nine finale. I don't know what could even be on screen for three fucking hours, but I'll be watching it all and discussing it with you in case. Until then, 
thanks for joining us. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It's been 7,925 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.